And it's time for midday here on KRBN. Tyler Cavalli filling in for Scott Foster. So we're also joined usually by Bob Brogan, Jason Jorgensen, and Susan Littlefield here on their midday roundtable. And finally, Friday, made it through another week. Before we hear from Bob and Jason, let's get caught up with Susan Littlefield and really what's coming up today with our, uh, our interviews. Hey, thanks, Tyler. Here's what's happening on the midday from the farm team. We'll kick it all off, as we always do on a Friday, finding out weather happenings with Al Dutcher. Shaley will be talking with him. Then at 1245, we'll take a look at COVID-19 and its effects on agriculture from a national and local perspective. And then finishing everything up at 117, we officially kick off Fridays in the field. And I will check in with Devin and Tom Vodichka. They farm just outside of Surprise, Nebraska. So that's the midday on a Friday. Have a great weekend from the farm team. Thank you very much, Susan. Jason in sports. Sounds like baseball may be a, a chance in uh, local regions, maybe Major League Baseball. Yes, uh, on both accounts. A Legion Baseball big meeting going on today with the Nebraska American Legion Board. They'll have more details coming out on Monday. Major League Baseball, there might be a season if the millionaires can agree to things with the billionaires. Uh, union being a little stickiest folks out there would be uh i don't know what they're complaining about if they don't have a season they're not going to be paid correct so what's wrong with 50 50 and just say we're going 50 50 this year well and it sounds like rob manfred the major league baseball commissioner has some sort of a good plan of testing these guys to keep them safe and you're right if they don't play there's there's no million dollars for these players so i also don't think i also don't know where they think the revenue is going to come from mm-hmm. because the owners are going to be taking a hit with no one in the stadium right. so only the, the only money that's out there is that is being offered up by the tv deals listen this is a once in a lifetime thing you're gonna have to like everybody else you're just gonna have to deal with it it's not ideal for sure and i think if the players continue to balk and this doesn't happen that's a bad PR look for them, not right. maybe care. Also coming up in sports, we'll talk about looking forward to the fall and the NSAA and potential potential high school seasons. We will hear from the executive director of the NSAA, Jay Beller. He was on the governor's show last night on NET. If you missed that, you can go back and watch the video of that on our Facebook page. Uh, also, The Last Dance does finish up this weekend on the... Uh on ESPN, the final two segments. It's been fantastic. Of course, I was just a little squirt when uh, Michael Jordan and those other greats were playing. But, boy, it's been fun to watch, I'm sure, for you kind of reliving all of that. It has. I think everyone in your generation should be forced to watch this. I agree. Everyone who thinks LeBron (laughs) James is the best thing ever should be forced to watch all ten of these episodes. Let me just say this. That documentary, I think, has changed my look on things a little bit. So I'm just I'm just gonna say that. So you know, because you and I have had these these conversations before. We have. So that's all right. I'm glad you're learning. Final two segments: the last dance coming up uh, this weekend. Also midday coming up with sports. Bob, before we go to markets, uh, stocks rallying kind of a little bit at least. Stocks up just a little bit. Earlier they were lower in uh, trading, after another batch of data showed how business shutdowns are affecting the economy. Uh, also, retail sales down by a record 16.4% from March to April. Uh, analysts are, uh, well, basically analyzing that. And American industry suffered the most severe plunge on record last month because of the uh, pandemic. So that those things and more coming up. 
Paul is in here now looking at our re- latest regional ag weather. And uh, Paul, let's. I guess we're not surprised that we're seeing some storms pop up, and tonight is when things could really go off. Exactly, and that's when the main brunt of this system will be moving southeast through the region. Not going to be a big rainmaker, uh, nothing too much in the way of severe weather, but maybe later today in the southern Nebraska panhandle into northern Colorado, that's where we could see some of the best chances for some severe weather. But all in all, it'll be maybe making some rumbles of thunder tonight, but sure. nothing too severe overall. Good, good. But still maybe park the car in the garage if you have one. Maybe put some stuff underneath <laughs> the awning if you could. Exactly. But, yeah, you never know when some sure. surprise hail can pop up in this part of the country listen, this it, time of year, too. I was going to say, it is this time of year, and <laughs> knock on wood, I'd hate to say it, but we've been pretty good, fortunate so far. Exactly, because a lot of times by late April into May, we've had numerous chances of severe weather, and it's been pretty quiet so far sure. through this time period. Right now, we do have some light rain moving through portions of the region. Still some light rain lingering from northeast of North Platte to about the Ogallala area down to Imperial. This is gradually going to be breaking up. Also some sprinkles from about O'Neill and Ainsworth down to around the Greeley area and north central areas of Nebraska. We will see that potential for some severe weather in mainly the southern Nebraska panhandle to northern Colorado but also the potential maybe of some, a few isolated severe storms making it as far east as Ogallala to Imperial and the northwest part of Kansas. For the most part, our temperatures across the area in the mid to upper 50s over west central Nebraska, but most of our temperatures in the mid to upper 60s. We are as warm as 72 in the Aurora area. Gradually increasing amounts of sunshine across the area today with some seasonal temperatures. Going to be a nice afternoon. With the approach of low pressure and a cold front, those thunderstorm chances and clouds increasing in western areas of Nebraska, basically the panhandle to around North Platte into Ogallala. Region-wide thunderstorms, a likelihood for tonight through mainly tomorrow morning as that low and cold front push to the southeast. The brunt of the rain clearing most of the area by midday tomorrow. Better chances of rain lingering in the east for the afternoon. Total rainfall should range about a quarter to three-quarters of an inch. Not going to be a big rainmaker since it's coming out of the northwest. A few storms could be severe, but mainly over the southern panhandle once again into northern Colorado late today into this evening. Now, Sunday through Wednesday, we will be dry with a warming trend on the way. When a high-pressure ridge does build onto the plains, Sunday and Monday will be seasonal before our highs into the 80s for the midweek. Our thunderstorm chances do return as soon as Wednesday night with that ridge breaking down. Better chances start to move in by late next week. Our long-term forecast indicates warmer than normal temperatures for Nebraska and Kansas continuing for Wednesday through May 28th. That better chance above above normal temperatures in the middle part of next week. Basically, near normal to slightly above normal rainfall is expected for Nebraska and Kansas as we head towards Wednesday through May 28th. So uh, overall, some beneficial conditions for producers hoping to get back into the field. Uh, We could see some potential flooding in the Midwest this weekend in south and eastern areas, but basically the moisture in the Midwest that will be coming through this weekend will be mostly on the favorable side. Also, uh, wheat areas of uh, the Black Sea region and Europe, basically uh, uh, favorable with some weather there. Uh, we will see uh, the wheat areas in Russia and Ukraine with some beneficial rain that this past week. That will continue with some light rain chances. Central Europe will have beneficial rain through the weekend. Developing wheat in South Europe continues to see beneficial weather, but the southeast starting to run some precipitation deficits that need to be watched there. So next week we're going to see a nice little heat wave, 80s, 90s. I'm on all favor of that. I love <laughs> exactly. the heat. The warmer, the better for me. 
But do you think we're in mid-May now? I know you kind of explained it already, but we're going to see this warm-up trend. Maybe not constantly 80s, 90s right away, but at least going to maybe 40s, 50s kick those out of the way for a while. I, I'm guessing, yeah, those 40s and 50s out for daytime highs because, you know, we had multiple days here of temperatures right. only making it into the 50s for yeah. Saturday all the way through uh, yesterday or Wednesday there. So uh, that should be going by the wayside and definitely the chances for any frost by the wayside too. <laughs> those were some lousy days, that's for sure. Uh, Paul, for more weather, where can we find that at? On the Weather tab, krvn.com. Thank you very much. time again this week that we get to check in with our Nebraska Extension Agricultural Climatologist, Al Dutcher. I'm Shaley Peters on the Rural Radio Network. And Al, glad to have you back this week. Um, unfortunately for Tyler, last week he got to talk about frost during May. Hopefully that's not the case for you, though. What can we expect weather-wise headed into this weekend and next week? Well, you know, North Carolina was that had some cold temperatures. We had three straight mornings of snow, which we get one snow event about every 10 years in May, but not three consecutive days. So we joined in the fun up there also. Relatively speaking, it looks like we're going to see the end of the cold weather, and we've got a much more significant warming thing in store for us, but we're going to have to get through with the wave that's going to move through the first half of this weekend in response to an upper or low, the 500 millibar level over the uh, North Dakotas. And then also a troughing pattern that is moving through the mid-layers across the central plains. Those are going to hook up, strengthen as they move toward the east-southeast. That's going to result in a widespread precipitation event across the northern plains and for most of Nebraska, particularly the eastern half of the state. Some showers got thunderstorms into the region, probably general coverage anywhere from a quarter to a half an inch, and probably a little bit more if we do get some excellent storm activity. Now, as that system moves to the east, it's going to deepen. It's going to push a ridge up into the central plains from the southern plains, we're going to see a much more significant warming trend if you go through the remainder of this next seven-day forecast, particularly if you get from the Monday through the Wednesday period, as the trough in the west starts to deepen, and that intensifies the ridge and starts bringing a southwest flow in the mid-layers of the atmosphere. Much warmer weather coming from the desert southwest and the southern plains moves into our region. We'll be see widespread 70s and 80s as we go into Monday and Tuesday, and probably 80s. Widespread on Wednesday with a few low 90s in the southwest and the south-central portions of the state. And humidity levels are going to increase as that energy starts to hit, uh, push out into our region. We're most likely going to be looking at the ability for scattered thunderstorms to develop in the western high plains of western Nebraska as we get into Thursday and Friday. But more importantly, it looks like that wave will start to move out in earnest into our region with widespread precipitation beginning sometime late Wednesday, late Thursday, Friday and possibly even extending into next weekend, in particular eastern Nebraska, I'd watch out for severe weather. We get a brief respite as that system moves to our east. We turn our focus once again to the west as another trough starts to enter the western United States and deepen, and that appears it's going to shoot a lot of energy out into our region as we go into the very end of the month in early June. So to me, it looks like a much more active pattern, more typical of what we would expect in the early portions of the summer to late spring. Look for severe weather outbreaks, particularly as we get into the second half of this month, and especially with the systems coming out in the last seven days of the month. That looks like there's going to be a potential for widespread severe activity across most of the central and northern plains, and more typical of what we expect at this time of the year. As we look even farther out, of course, the big big issue is, is whether or not the dryness that we've seen periodically throughout much of this first half this year, particularly in the western and southwestern parts of the state, will continue. Snowpack levels as the last assessment from the NRCS for the May 
looks like the Platte Basin is within the normal range. It's dropped significantly last two weeks. So we were well above normal, dropped in the normal range, but to the south and the west of there, very dry conditions. My opinion is that we will see the snowpack dissipate rather rapidly as we go forward with these warmer temperatures. And most likely for producers out in western Nebraska, start watching in July and August for exceptionally dry weather to start building in from the southwest, particularly southern Rockies, and expect to see more heat than usual that we, than we had the last couple of years. All right. Thanks, Al. Nebraska Extension Agricultural Climatologist Al Dutcher. For more, you can visit RuralRadio.com. You're listening to the Rural Radio Network. It's time for Midday Sports. Here's Jason. Hey, thanks. Well, football and other high school sports in Nebraska this fall could take place even if students aren't in school buildings. That's according to Jay Beller, who's the executive director of the NSAA. On Governor Ricketts' weekly town hall on NET last night, Beller said opening the fall season will depend on what the state's social distancing guidelines are at the time. The big question I've been asked a lot is, will all sports start at the same time? Uh, because as we know, golf, uh, we can find that separation of six feet and, and, and kind of keep that throughout the match uh, most of the time anyway. Uh, whereas in football and soccer and, and things like that, it's not so easy to do. So I think it's going to be predicated on a lot of different things we would sure like to. The first step in resuming high school sports is the June 1st opening up of weight rooms and gyms for strength and conditioning work only. That's the same day baseball and softball teams can begin practicing in advance of a June 18th start date for games. Former LSU starting kicker Connor Culp has confirmed that he's transferring to Nebraska for his senior season and will be immediately eligible as a graduate transfer. He was LSU's starting kicker during the 2017 campaign. Former Husker Brandon Riley, who had spent time in the NFL and the XFL, announced on social media yesterday that he's retiring from football. Riley, if you remember, began his career as a walk-on receiver, but earned his scholarship prior to his sophomore year with the Huskers. After leaving Nebraska, Riley spent time with the Bills, Steelers, and Lions. He ended his professional career with the St. Louis Battlehawks and the XFL before that league folded this spring. NASCAR has announced it will stick to Tennessee, Georgia, Virginia, Florida, and Alabama for June races, all without fans. NASCAR has now set plans for 20 races, including nine in the Elite Cup Series, as it returns to the tracks after being shut down for almost two months. Alex Hayden with Motor Racing Network says crews have been very busy trying to get ready. You can't just open up and say, let's go race. You have to be able to prepare race cars for Darlington Raceway because, quite frankly, We weren't supposed to race there until Labor Day weekend in September. So uh, these teams needed a a good 10, 12 days to get these cars prepared and ready to go for not just this first Darlington race, but for all of these races getting ready to take place in the next 10 days. The Cup Series is scheduled to resume this Sunday at Darlington Raceway, and they'll be busy running four times in the next 11 days. That's sports. For more, find it anytime at krvn.com. Nebraska health officials are reporting a one-day jump of six COVID-19 deaths in the state as new cases are reported among police and an Omaha nursing home. The Nebraska Department of Health and Human Services says six deaths from the new coronavirus were reported yesterday, bringing the state's total to 113. The state's total number of cases since the outbreak began jumped to nearly 9,500 
The numbers were reported as the Good Samaritan Society Nursing, Long-Term, and Hospice Care Facility in Omaha reported 15 infected residents, including three residents who have died. The Omaha Police Department additionally also reported a sixth officer testing positive for the virus. The 2020 Buffalo County Fair has canceled all live events, but plans for 2021 have already begun, according to Assistant Manager Andrea Woolen. We're planning to have a bigger, better, greater 2021 fair. We're going to start looking at rebooking maybe our concerts that we had this year or, you know, starting to look at some new acts. So hopefully, you know, we can have a full-blown in-person carnival, fair food, everything like that at the 2021 fair. Woolen adds that virtual components in this year's fair, such as 4-H and FFA showcases, will return to regular in-person judging and public viewing next year. A woman with underlying health conditions has died from COVID-19 in Dawson County. Two Rivers Public Health Department is reporting the seventh death within the Two Rivers District. A woman in her 80s from Dawson County died on Wednesday, May 13th and she had been previously hospitalized and had underlying conditions. Nebraska Governor Pete Ricketts outlined the contact tracing process in Nebraska at his daily coronavirus news conference yesterday. Felicia Quintana Zinn of the Nebraska Department of Health and Human Services says when someone tests positive, a representative of the DHHS will reach out to the infected person. The contact tracer will then ask questions of the infected person and who they may have had close contact with. When you started feeling symptoms, what those symptoms are like, if you've been in the hospital with COVID, if you have any other pre-existing medical conditions, and who you've had close contact with over the period that you've had symptoms and then 48 hours prior to that. After they identify who the infected person has had contact with, they reach out to those individuals. Quintana Zinn explains that walking past a person in the hall is not what is considered close contact. She says close contact is someone who has been within six feet of a person for more than 10 minutes. And finally, authorities say a Missouri man who was planning to bomb a Kansas City area hospital killed himself in March as FBI agents served a probable cause arrest warrant. Reporting for the Rural Radio Network, I'm Austin Jacobson. Rely on KRVN for up-to-date information on COVID-19. From closings, the latest governor's press conference, and DHHS virus reports, we'll bring you the facts and latest news on the coronavirus. Visit our coronavirus information tab at krvn.com for up-to-the-minute local and state news, and tune in every weeknight at 5 p.m. for a special KRVN this evening. Depend on KRVN to keep you informed on COVID-19. It's been a struggle over the past couple of months for agriculture and COVID-19. Good afternoon, I'm Susan Littlefield on the Rural Radio Network. Ryan Legrand is president and CEO of the U.S. Grains Council. One of the main roles of the Grains Council is to be able to talk face-to-face with potential buyers. But that's all changed since COVID. And that meant closing some of their foreign offices temporarily as well. Well, it's, it's affected it in a major way. You know, international travel is a major, major part of what we do. And with everyone being grounded right now, we've, we've had to really look for new and innovative ways to continue our work and continue the mission of the council. Um, it's obviously all virtual right now, but we are staying in contact with customers, 
uh, with foreign governments, with the U.S. government, to make sure that uh, we are able to trade in our uh, most valuable co uh, commodity right now, and that's information. Uh, uh, yeah, go ahead. I was going to say, obviously, they, they want the product. They want our American grain. What a great opportunity for you guys to still to be able to keep that line of communication open and meet even if it is virtually versus in person. That's right. It's it's important for uh, overseas customers to know and, and trust in the reliability of the U.S. grain handling and export system. Um, so, as you said, the demand is the, the interest is still there. The demand is still there. Animals and people are are, are still eating. Um, you know that's that's always going to continue, and they want to know that the United States is open for business. And as a matter of fact, we are. You continue to get some good news, some some discussions about purchase possibilities and inquiries into our product as you talk to these international folks? Yeah, you know, corn is attractively priced right now. We saw a few uh, good weeks of a nice run of corn exports. They've slowed in just a little bit the past couple of weeks. Uh, but we have um, we have high hopes for a corn exports going forward. Sorghum has really taken off as well. Sorghum is is uh, going to China um, in in substantial quantities, and uh, so so that's been good to see. Where we're we're suffering a little bit is on on the the DDG export side and obviously the ethanol export side with the uh, you know the collapse in fuel demand and the unfortunate situation with our ethanol industry. Um, you know, DDG availability is in question, and, um, and and the price relationship of ethanol to gasoline, where ethanol has historically uh, enjoyed, uh, you know, advantages on, on pricing versus gasoline, that's gone away, too. So um, that's been a little bit of a struggle where we've seen some, some uh, a few bright spots on corn and sorghum. Last time we had talked as well, you were talking about these emerging markets that we had. And I know that Africa, for example, has continued to have issues with locust. Does this offer an opportunity for us to be able to step up to the plate and help meet their grain needs? I think it could. You know, it's obviously very unfortunate and very sorry to hear um, and, and see what is happening in Africa. And, and they're going to have um, they're going to have their challenges with this pandemic as well they do have their challenges uh but yes to the extent that we can meet any uh additional grain demand need uh we're going to be in there to we're going to step in there and, and fill that void is there anything else that you would like to add ryan uh, you know just know that our top priority is is the safety of our employees as we discussed in san antonio and and uh since we've we've spoken at commodity classic we've continued to take the steps that we feel are necessary obviously following government guidelines but the keeping uh the the health uh of our employees as our number one priority has been our goal throughout this whole process kelly brunkhorst is nebraska corn's executive director i asked him to describe what's been happening in one word you know, if I could use one word, I think it's just uncertainty. Uh, there's just so much uncertainty, uncertainty in the markets, uncertainty how long this COVID-19 or coronavirus is going to last in regards to uh, our social distancing and somewhat isolating ourselves. The uncertainty around as we go into a key time of planting, you know, what happens if I get sick or a principal uh, assistant or, or hired help gets sick on the operation? 
what's that going to do to us as we go into planting season? So I, I think that word uncertainty is kind of a key word that I hear a lot as I visit with producers. The other word I hear is cleanliness. I've had more producers say their tractor cabs are the cleanest they've ever been. Yes, yes. And, you know, if they stay that way over the next uh, 45 to 60 days, it will be amazing because they're going to go into a key period where it's really uh, they're going to push hard, especially as what we went through last year with our planting season so shortened. But, you know, right now the outlook looks great. The sunshine is, is, is looking good. We've had good moisture. Another thing that's impressed me during this whole COVID-19 is the fact that we've gotten constant updates. I would concur. Uh, there's been a lot of engagement all the way from the federal down to the state level, and a lot of compliments need to be extended out to those individuals that have taken uh, key leadership in, in addressing some situations that we have uh, brought up to them. Ag's look at COVID. I'm Susan Littlefield, the Rural Radio Network. Tom. With the Business Report, I'm Bob Brogan. Stock indexes were mostly lower in early trading on Wall Street, following another batch of data showing how business shutdowns are ravaging the economy. The government reported that retail sales sank a record 16% in April, the second steep decline in a row as store closures kept shoppers away. The Federal Reserve also reported that industrial production plunged a record 11.2% in April. Germany's economy shrank in the first quarter, meaning that Europe's largest economy is in a recession. Retail sales tumbled by a record 16.4% from March to April as business shutdowns caused by the coronavirus kept shoppers away, threatened stores across the country, and weighed down a sinking economy. The Commerce Department's report on retail purchases showed a sector that has collapsed so quickly that sales over the past 12 months are down a crippling 21.6%. The sharpest drops from March to April were at clothing stores, electronic stores, furniture stores, and restaurants. A long-standing migration of consumers toward online purchases is accelerating, with that segment posting an 8.4% monthly gain. American industry suffered the most severe plunge on record last month with factories, mines, and utilities battered by the coronavirus pandemic. The Federal Reserve says its industrial production index tumbled a record 11.2% in April. Manufacturing output also posted a record drop, 13.7%, as production of cars, trucks, and auto parts plummeted more than 70%. The Labor Department says layoffs soared in March to a record high of 11.4 million after state and local governments closed restaurants, bars, movie theaters, and other non-essential businesses as the viral outbreak intensified. For the Rural Radio Network, I'm Bob Brogan. It's time once again for Fridays in the Field. I'm Susan Littlefield, and good afternoon here on the Rural Radio Network. This year, I am following a father-son duo, Tom and Devin Vidichka. Now, they farm just outside of the Surprise area at about 2,000 acres. As we talked earlier today in the machine shed, we compared planting 2019 to this year. As Tom chuckled at the difference. Oh, yeah, it was, it was a completely different story. Last year was dealing with all the mud holes and the water and the floods and the river and everything. And this year, it, it, everything went fairly smooth. And more than once, you had to deal with the floodwaters. Oh, yeah. Yes. So how did that change uh, your practices when it came to planting this year, knowing that you had those river water running through parts of your fields? Uh, well, this year, we did a little more uh, no-till. 
uh, last year we had to work everything, all the washouts and stuff. Uh, other than that, this year was easy <laughs> compared to last year. How many acres are you guys running this year? About 2,000. Looking at the fields, are they no-till, conventional? What, what way are you guys leaning? This year was a little more no-till than we normally do. But, uh, Pretty much uh, half and half, probably, yeah. I'd say. So planted this year so far? Uh, corn, soybeans, and, and seed, seed corn. So for the Vidichkas, corn and soybeans are already in the ground and emerging. Now they're focusing on spraying and getting the seed corn planted. Devin explains the process that they're going through this year. Uh, usually it takes two plantings to get a field done. Sometimes this year, some of the fields are three. So, I mean, you're talking just three days to get one field done. So it takes a little bit more work, but it's worth it. So what percentage of your crops are irrigated? I'd say two-thirds of ours is probably irrigated in the third dry line. Do you have any weed concerns uh, for this year, knowing that last year was so wet and had such difficulties in, in planting in some areas? Well, actually, I noticed the, the weeds seem like they've been, they're coming pretty slow this year, just along with the trees and everything. Usually by now, the trees are all leaved out and everything, but we got some that are just starting to put on leaves. So uh, the weeds, as far as the weeds go, I think we're in pretty good shape. Do you think that's going to cause any problems for you down the road, though, as the weed emergence is so slow? Well, if we don't get it, we need a little more rain to get them chemicals activated to take care of the weeds. But uh, so far, that's holding, but it ain't really done much either. So, how are you guys on soil moisture? Down below, it's pretty good. Top, you know, the top inch or so, or inch and a half, is you know fairly dry. But uh, you get you dig down there a couple inches, and it's it's pretty good. So everything that we got emerged, which most most everything's emerged already, so it should be in good shape. So as far as moisture for the crop, it's I don't think it's a real big deal right now, but for the chemicals to work and that kind of stuff, we could use some rain. How is the emerged crop looking so far? Pretty good. Everything's come up real nice. The corn came up really good. Beans are mostly up, and then the rest of it's just starting to pop through. But yeah, ground's soft. It's not crusted or anything, so everything's looking good. Were you guys worried about the cool temperatures that we had this weekend of what it might do to the already emerged corn? No, not really. I wasn't too concerned. Yeah, it doesn't seem like it bothers you. It's got to get pretty cold for quite a while to hurt much. And corn, corn's pretty good. Beans, you know, you can hurt beans, I guess, if it stays cold for a long, you know, extended time. But it didn't look like it got anything hurt. So hopefully we're out of the woods now. That's Tom and Devin Vidichka from Surprise, Nebraska. They'll be the farmers I'm following the rest of this growing season for Fridays in the Field. I'm Susan Littlefield on the Rural Radio Network. Radio Network talking with John Payne, Senior Marketing Analyst with Daniel Zag Marketing in Chicago, publisher of the newsletter This Week in Grain. And John, as we come in here today, got some decent NOPA crush numbers out, but overall, would you consider this just a slow to sluggish day in the grain trade? Kind of has a little bit of a feeling of, of 2012 and 20, uh, 1983, if you're looking for a weather rally. They had all those both years, we chopped sideways between May and July 1. July 1 was the low. That was both in 21, uh, 2012 and 1983. I think we're probably more likely to stay that pattern more than anything. You know, we've been used to the early season rally with the late, late plants, but if we're looking for drought, it's probably still a couple of weeks away, given that 
you know, the economy is still not up and running. I, I just don't know how much upside we have in the very, very short run. Um, as far as upside in the long run, more medium term, a lot of that just depends on, you know, what the weather's going to look like in June and July. And I think at this point, it's tough to see anything on the, on the calendar that resembles a problem, but it won't until we get, get there. So I think you just got to kind of play sideways here, both in beans and corn. I don't see a whole lot of, uh, of opportunity, um, unless, you know, the economy gets going again and the dollar would break. But right now, I think it's just biding time until we can get that summer weather pop. And as we look out at those forecasts, it looks like South America may be improving, the Black Sea improving a little bit. So it looks like in the coming weeks, we're going to have to wait for that weather pop. Where where do you maybe see that coming? Is this maybe a June event or maybe even July? Well, it's probably got to come with heat at this point. I mean, we have enough moisture out this way, and they're going to get enough rain in the eastern belt that I just don't see drought is something that's going to get the market moving. Probably coming from the west. You know, I know you guys out really west of you, things are really dry in Colorado. Doesn't hate to minimize those folks that the market doesn't care too much about that area right now but mid-summer you know if that bubble would move east over say lincoln omaha area and, and extend north where there isn't a lot of irrigation that's where i think you probably look for some sort of weather problem in the midwest the southeast could have some issues here they're going to get the high pressure for the next couple of weeks but again do they they don't really grow enough to, to matter and i don't mean to say that lightly i just mean to get the market to really care i think it's got to happen in the i states or, or in your hometown Again, we're talking with John Payne, Senior Marketing Analyst with Daniel Zag Marketing in Chicago, publisher of the newsletter this week in Grain. You can learn more at their website. That is danielzagmarketing.com. Again, danielzagmarketing.com. Do remember, though, trading futures and options involves risk of loss. It may not be suitable for all investors. Do consider these risks before investing. Really coming into a lackluster and somewhat boring close here as we see almost, uh, we said, well, four of the Kansas City wheat contracts settle unchanged on the day. We'll just be about two, one and three quarters to two and a half lower on the Chicago wheat. For the corn, they'll be down a quarter to up one and three quarters and for the soybeans looks like at one and a half to five and a quarter and that'll wrap up today's midday program here on krvn if you missed any of the segments or want to rehear any of the interviews you can listen to our midday podcast online at krvn.com or by subscribing on spotify or itunes our midday podcast is sponsored by Deveni motors Howdy folks, this is Rick from Davini Chrysler, Jeep, Dodge, Ram, and McCook. When you're ready to buy a new vehicle, expect that our hard-working, experienced staff will treat you just like family. Go to DaviniChryslerJeepDodge.com today. And remember, it's not a deal until it's a Davini deal.